7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, 12 midnight in Sydney, New South Wales, and in Malaysia, it's 1970. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. I haven't worn pants in over a year. <laughs> no need what? Uh, welcome, welcome in. Hello, nice to see you tonight and uh, great to uh, have you along for the ride. It is Monday. Oh boy. <laughs> and it is hotter than hell. It's even at night. The sun goes down, you think it would cool off. We've had no rain to speak of in the last few days and uh yeah even tonight it's muggy and hot all over again hello to our podcast listeners who are checking out the audio portion of our program uh you can of course find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts uh, apple itunes spotify amazon music google Podcasts, radio public stitcher tune in pocket cast radio.com and geosavan in uh, in india so we're across the planet, wherever it is, please like, subscribe. I put up a couple of uh, both Instagram and Facebook stories that said basically, hey Siri, open the I'm Not Wearing Pants podcast. And I hope it activated your Siri. I don't know. I'm not an Apple guy, so I'm an Android user. So for me, it was a, a Google thing, but we did one of those too. And I got another one coming up tomorrow. So... <laughs> And uh, speaking of tomorrow, it is a public holiday here in uh, Malaysia. It is Hari Raya Haji or Hari Raya Haj. It's also known, I had to write this down because I can never remember it. It's also known as Aidilaha or the Great Day of Sacrifice. It's a Muslim festival, falls on the 10th day of Zulhijjah, the 12th month in the Islamic calendar. And it also commemorates the willingness of Ibrahim to sacrifice his son Ismail in an act of obedience to Allah. And so that's where uh, Hari Raya Haji gets its uh, origins from. Yeah, so tomorrow's public holiday all across Malaysia. A lot of other uh, more Muslim-oriented countries in Southeast Asia, also Indonesia, for example, uh, would be. I think Singapore also, um, it's also. But, oh, and by the way, you just heard the dogs barking from the neighbor's house. Um, if you hear fireworks tonight, that's why. Because in addition to everything else, of course, got to have fireworks. So, <laughs> yeah, that's just the way it goes. All right, it's time. Miko update. Yes. Miko update. Uh, what's going on? She's sleeping in the other room in the aircon right now while I sit here with a fan and no aircon because it's too noisy. Honestly, oh my goodness. It is, it is, it really is hot. Okay, Miko update. But before we get to Miko update, because it just happened to come up in order on my Facebook page. Check this out. You guys, honestly, a big round of applause for everybody out there. You guys kick ass and take names. 
we reached almost 69,000 people in the last week. And uh, engagements, you can see there, 25,500 engagements. It's fantastic. Thank you. I owe it all to you. You are the ones who did it. Thank you for pushing me along. And uh, those are phenomenal, fantastic numbers. As I wrote right down here, best audience ever. Fantastic. All right. So then from that, we're going to go to this. This is our Miko update. We, <laughs> I don't know, uh, because if you're in Southeast Asia, of course, you know what durian is. D-U-R-I-A-N. It is called the king of fruits. It's this big, round, spiky fruit that for most Western people, it smells totally gross. It does smell, but some people like the smell. Some people don't like the smell. Western people, for the most part, don't. I don't mind it, and I don't mind durian. Uh, I know this is sacrilegious, but I'm going to say it anyway. I actually prefer the durian from Thailand. I know, don't kill me, as opposed to the durian from Malaysia. Uh, only because I find the Thai durian is sweeter. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of durian, different classifications, but it is unusual, and it is a, it's an acquired taste, all right? A lot of Western people don't like it. There's plenty of YouTube videos you can search. Westerner tries uh, durian, and uh, they're quite funny, actually, because it, it is an acquired taste. Well, apparently, it's also an acquired taste for this little girl, because we had durian this week, just a couple days ago, and for the very first time, we offered it to Miko. And uh, that's me handing her a little piece, because dogs can have durian. It's okay in limited quantities. So she smells it. You can see here on our, if you're watching on the video, and she checks it out, maybe a little lick of the chops, and then suddenly goes, no, not interested. <laughs> so we try a bigger piece. That's the one got the seed attached to it still. It's very creamy. It's like a custard almost texture. But you can see here she... She thinks she wants it, and I'm sure because of a dog's sensitive nose, that's got to really smell, because to my nose, it really smells. So I dropped it. It accidentally fell out of my hands on the floor, and she pokes around, and she's still not really interested. <laughs> yeah, see? So that's where the durian wound up on the floor, and she wanted no part of it, so... <laughs> and when I posted that on my Facebook page, I had a few people that uh, that said, smart dog. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was fun. But anyway, she loves all kinds of weird things, but apparently durian just isn't one of them. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, a reminder to go to our Patreon page, by the way. Just search for Jay Sheldon or patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon. You can support us over there. And as we announced in our last stream Saturday night, we now have a tier where if you join at that tier level, you get all of our books from the very beginning, 80-something, almost 90 streams ago, where we read a chapter or two or half a chapter of a book in order from the beginning to the end. So we've taken, we've edited them all out. 
We put just the books together, and they're on a special support tier in our Patreon page. You can get access to that, and if you enjoy listening to audiobooks, all the books we've read, The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, Velveteen Rabbit, The Little Prince, and our current book, The Jungle Book, will be up as soon as we finish our uh, our podcast reading of it. We'll do more, more tonight. Um, so you can do that at patreon.com slash... Jay Sheldon. All right, on to the news of the day, our curated collection of crap from the cobwebs of the World Wide Web. As you know, the Tokyo Olympics are going on, and I saw this headline. I thought, okay, I got to share this. Athletes headed into the Tokyo Olympics are given anti-sex beds. <laughs> yes. If you, because, <laughs> you know, they're athletes, but they're also human beings with needs. Although I would think that might affect your performance. But anyway, <laughs> athletes, this is from uh, 9gag.com. Athletes, this is not a gag. This is true. Uh, Tokyo Olympics given anti-sex beds in the Olympic Village as organizers attempt to curtail the spread of coronavirus in the Olympic bubble. Well, you know, I understand you've got athletes from around the world coming into one place in Tokyo. But mostly the athletes, as far as I know, unless they're competing, are with their other teammates, whom I assume, you know, anyway, we won't get into that. But yes, these beds, you'll see them here. Actually, that looks like cardboard, doesn't it? According to various reports, uh, during the ongoing pandemic, athletes will be discouraged from engaging in any unnecessary social mixing or close interaction, if you know what I mean, which includes, according to this article, sexual intercourse. Beds to be installed in the Tokyo Olympic Village. They are, they are cardboard. They're made of cardboard, and they're aimed at avoiding intimacy among athletes. They were, are, they're made to withstand the weight of only a single person to avoid situations um, <clears throat> beyond sports, so to speak. Um, yeah, so these are what the beds look like. And apparently if you put more than one person in them, they will collapse. And if you have, oh, there you go. There's a more detailed look at the uh, actual bed itself. And uh, the anti-sex beds made from cardboard designed to only be able to withstand the weight of one person and expected to break with any sudden movements. So if you are, uh, yeah, if you are in the middle of a horizontal bop, um, you're going <laughs> to, oh man, the things that they will do. So there you go. They have the new anti-sex beds at the Tokyo 2021 Olympics. Although it seems like they've recycled the 2020 uh, bedspread there, if you see that little picture. So... There we go. See, Tokyo 2020. I don't know. Is it still called the 2020 Olympics? I have no idea. Maybe this is, yeah, because it should have been 2020 and now it's 2021. It's like the makeup games or something. Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. So that is the latest from the no sex beds 
and there'll be no bopping horizontally in the beds. Apparently, they didn't do anything to stop you from any other positions, but <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I think we've heard enough. Or have we? I love this. I found this on the net today. And again, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, this is a visual. You're going to have to go to rumble.com slash Sheldon no pants on rumble.com. Watch the uh, video portion of the show, our video uh, version. Uh, <laughs> hey, Kari. Kari posted this public post. I'm not giving away any, any trade secrets. But the new masks to avoid hearing media bull uh too good not to share. So yeah, this I think this is very valuable. I may have to get me some of these. This is to avoid listening all, to all the bullcrap from the media. Uh, the new ear masks. We like this a lot. This is very good. <laughs> all right. The other thing we uh, the other thing we posted on our thumbnail tonight, and we wanted to share, is a a rather good story. If you are uh, if you're into arguing with people, or if people apparently like to argue with you. And it is a story called Don't Argue with Donkeys. Now, that has nothing to do with the symbols of political parties, although maybe it does. But this is a great story. Listen, it's not long. It's, it's kind of short. So stand by, listen in. You can actually read along if you want. The donkey said to the tiger... The grass is blue. And the tiger replied, no, the grass is green. Yeah, we don't want to see that. Okay, the discussion heats up and the two decided to submit him to arbitration. And for this, they went before the lion, the king of the jungle. Always before reaching the forest clearing, where the lion was sitting on his throne, the donkey began to shout, his highness, is it true that the grass is blue? The lion replied, true, the grass is blue. The donkey hurried and continued, the tiger disagrees with me and contradicts and annoys me. Please punish him. The king then declared, the tiger will be punished with five years of silence. The donkey jumped cheerfully, went on his way content and repeating, the grass is blue. The tiger accepted his punishment, but before he asked the lion, your majesty, why have you punished me? After all, the grass is green. The lion replied, in fact, the grass is green. The tiger asked, so why are you punishing me? And the lion replied, that has nothing to do with the question of whether the grass is blue or green. The punishment is because it is not possible for a brave and intelligent creature like you to waste time arguing with a donkey. And on top of that, come and bother me with that question. The worst waste of time is arguing with the fool and the fanatic who doesn't care about truth or reality, but only the victory of his beliefs and illusions. Never waste time on arguments that don't make sense. 
There are people who, no matter how much evidence and evidence we present to them, are not in the capacity to understand, and others are blinded by ego, hatred, resentment, and all they want is to be right, even if they're not. When ignorance screams, intelligence is silent. Your peace and quiet are worth more. And there you go. We like that a lot. Don't argue with donkeys. Mohaned the Mighty has joined the stream. Greeting shallowers of every living, living organism, otherwise known as humans. <laughs> that is us. Thank you. And thanks for jumping along into the stream, Mohaned. Good to see you. Um, yeah, we humans are, um, are a strange lot. Um, however, from the, and, and, and I, I tend to, to really like this idea. I'm sure you've seen this on a bumper sticker or a meme. Let's just pull the warning labels off everything and let human nature sort it all out. More than once, I've been a strong advocate of that. And this little thing I found didn't persuade me to think any differently. This is an actual warning on a petrol pump. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, I'll read it for you. There's a picture of a petrol pump with the handle stuck on the machine. And the caution says, caution, do not insert in mouth or rectum. Have we reached the point of complete and utter stupidity in the world where we need these kinds of warnings on petrol pumps? Mohanan said, well, there's no reason for me to go to the gas station anymore. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Mohanan. No. No, that's one. Well, there you go. <laughs> Honest to God. Seriously. Really? I just, you know what? I, I just don't want to live on this planet anymore. I swear. Unbelievable. Oh, man. By the way, if you are listening on the podcast, you can always watch the visual part of the show at rumble.com slash Pants. Check it out. Subscribe, too, if you wouldn't mind. It's free. All right. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got two more things to go, and then we're going to move on to our, uh, to our book tonight. Um, again, I always like to share something inspirational. I don't like to be all ha-has or dealing with idiots. Because, you know, we could do probably four hours of a show seven days a week dealing with idiots. But we choose to just not argue with donkeys. Ah, see? See how we tied that together there? Mm, not bad, huh? 
All right, give me a break for some coffee. Mohanad says, jokes aside, there are some moronic creatures that do such moronic actions. But, but that's my point. You know what? Okay, fine. Let's just take the warning labels off and let, you know, evolution sort things out. You want to stick the hose up your butt or in your mouth? Knock yourself out. Have a nice day. You did it to yourself. If you're just that stupid, then, you know, take in all the gas you want. All right. I, 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 I can't. I just can't anymore because I'll get angry and, and <laughs> it's just unbelievable. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is a it is a a nice a nice little thing written by Ali Michelle I believe is the name at uh, Ali Michelle L something like that but I found this and I I really liked it and again um, you can read along if you want I'll post the uh, the meme here but uh, you can also just listen uh, it's it's brilliant keep the honest moments close to your heart, the ones that are the most human, when you laugh until your ribs ache with friends, when you feel stars exploding inside of you from falling in love, when life breaks you open and those tears of transformation pour like a river from your soul. Life is really quite simple. We get to experience this planet for a brief while. We get to learn how to love ourselves and one another for the strange, messy, and mystical creatures that we are. What a gift it is to have a human life. If you look a little closer, there is always something to be grateful for. True gratitude isn't ignoring the darkness. It's participating with your whole heart in whatever moment life brings you. It's leaning in to the unfolding process and having the courage to not need all of the answers. Nice. At, you can see it right there. I don't know if you can actually read that or not on the uh, on the post. At Ali Michelle One. At Ali Michelle One. There you go. I assume that must be a uh, probably a, a Twitter handle. So brilliant, Ali Michelle One. Very very nice. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. <clears throat> As we told you before, uh, we do everything we can on this show for the last half to encourage not only you reading to your kids or encouraging your kids to read, but reading yourself, picking up a book that maybe you read already when you were in your 20s and now you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s, because your life perspectives have changed and it will be a different book. It's quite true. Even if you read a book years ago, Read it again. You'd be surprised how you look at it differently from your point of view so many years later. Um, but also, uh, we also mentioned, of course, that science has uh, shown that both listening to books, you know, audio books, 
podcasts, audiobooks, like what we do here, and many people do. And you can buy audiobooks, or reading the books processes through your brain in about the same way. Um, there's virtually no difference between listening to a book being read to you and reading a book yourself. But by all means, encourage your kids to read. And this is brilliant. I am a uh, follower of these folks and their Facebook page, which I encourage you to do too. It's called the Little Free Library, but they have come up with a system. Now, I don't think this is a money-making thing, but you know, even if it is, frankly, it's worth it. This is so cool. And it is called a Start Your Own Little Free Library. I don't know if this is going to exactly, there's a video here that explains about the Little Free Library. Um, but the idea is, to have people in their neighborhoods start one of these things. And let me show you a picture of what I'm talking about. Here we go. That's kind of hard to see on the, uh, on the stream. Let me just, I'm going to pull this open so you can check it out. There you go. You see what they've done. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, I'll describe it for you. They've taken what looks like a little mini dollhouse, put it on a post in their front yard, there's a door on the front with a glass, uh, you know, so you can see through. And then inside this little dollhouse looking thing, it's maybe a meter high and I don't know, a foot wide, maybe a foot and a half, um, are books for children and they're free. And the idea is it's run on an honor system. Uh, you build it, stick it out in your front yard, maybe put a sign there, free books, borrow a book, lend a book, and kids can take a book, read it. When they're done, they can bring it back. If they've got some books they want to share, they can add to the library. You've got to kind of do a starter thing, but I'm sure you've got books. Maybe your kids are grown now. And a brilliant, brilliant idea. I love, 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 love this. And uh, again, whether or not you're allowed because of, you know, idiotic zoning laws and all that other crap, but find a way to do something like this. I know people will put up, maybe they grow fruits and vegetables, they put up a little stand in front of their house, but what a brilliant idea and what a great way to get books into kids' hands. A little, little free library. And uh, there is a site, it is called littlefreelibrary.org. And if you go there, you can not only watch the video about how to start a little free library, I assume this uh, group will also give you a, uh, you can get a free insider's guide on how to start a little free library. And I, I can't encourage you more to do that. Um, encouraging kids to read, reading to kids, um, because it, make, it makes a big difference in kids' life. And I, I love this. And again, like I said, that's a big part of why we do what we do here. And that is um, reading our books. We've been through a ton of them. Again, I'll give you one last little plug and then I'll go away. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon. If you'd like, you can go to there. You can support the page with as little as five bucks a month. Or if you want, you can sign up for a tier level called Reading the Classics. And all the books that we've done have been cut up into chapters, and it's just the chapters in the book. Not all that half an hour of 
curated web crap that we talk about and Miko updates. We just started those, but you know, all that kind of stuff, the junk we fill the first part of the show with me rambling on incoherently. Uh, but this is all just the book. So it's like, it's like an audio book and all the chapters are laid out there. You can sign up for that tier level at patreon.com slash Sheldon. You'll also be helping to support the show. And we truly, truly, truly appreciate that. Thank you. You saw the numbers, 65, 69,000 people uh, we reached in the last week or so. This is fantastic. Um, really, really great. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. It is time, as promised, to move into the continuing adventures of the Jungle Book. And uh, we had quite an adventure on our last stream. They were doing their best to try and find uh, Shere Khan and attack him. And they were doing that by driving the buffalo herds in different directions with some help from the wolves. So yes, indeed, it is story time. And here we go, continuing on with the Jungle Book. The two wolves ran, ladies' chain fashion, in and out of the herd, which snorted and threw up its head and separated it into two clumps. In one, the cow buffaloes stood with their calves in the center and glared and pawed, ready, if a wolf would only stay still, to charge down and trample the life out of him. In the other, the bulls and the young bulls snorted and stamped. But though they looked more imposing, they were much less dangerous, for they had no calves to protect. No six men could have divided the herd so neatly. What orders, panted Akela. They are trying to join again. Mowgli slipped onto Rama's back. Drive the bulls away to the left, Akela. Gray brother, when we're gone, hold the cows together and drive them into the foot of the ravine. How far, said Gray Brother, panting and snapping. Till the sides are higher than Shere Khan can jump, shouted Mowgli. Keep them there till we come down. The bulls swept off as Akela bayed, and Gray Brother stopped in front of the cows. They charged down on him, and he ran just before them to the foot of the ravine as Akela drove the bulls far to the left. Well done! Another charge, and they are fairly started. Careful now. Careful, Akela. A snap too much, and bulls will charge. Huja! This is wilder work than driving black buck. Didst thou think these creatures could move so swiftly? Mowgli called. I have. Have hunted these two in my time gasped Akela in the dust. Shall I turn them into the jungle? I turn, swiftly then turn. Rama is mad with rage. Oh, if I could only tell him what I need of him today. The bulls were turned to the right this time and crashing into the standing thicket. The other herd children watched with the cattle half a mile away, hurried to the village as fast as their legs could carry them crying the buffaloes had gone mad and were running away. But Mowgli's plan was simple enough. All that he wanted to do was make a big circle uphill and get at the head of the ravine, and then take the bulls down it 
and catch Shere Khan between the bulls and the cows. For he knew that after a meal and a full drink, Shere Khan would not be in any condition to fight or clamber up the sides of the ravine. He was soothing the buffaloes now by voice, and Akela had dropped far to the rear, only whimpering once or twice to hurry the rear guard. It was a long, long circle, for they did not wish to get too near the ravine and give Shere Khan warning. At last, Mowgli rounded up the bewildered herd at the head of the ravine on a grassy patch that sloped steeply down to the ravine itself. From that height, you could see across the tops of the trees down to the plain below. But what Mowgli looked at was the sides of the ravine, and he saw with a great deal of satisfaction that they ran nearly straight up and down, while the vines and creepers that hung over them would give no foothold to a tiger who wanted to get out. Let them breathe, Akela, he said, holding up his hand. They have not winded him yet. Let them breathe. We must tell Shere Khan who comes. We have him in the trap. He put his hands to his mouth and shouted down into the ravine. It was almost like shouting down a tunnel, and the echoes jumped from rock to rock. After a long time, there came back the drawling, sleepy snarl of a full-fed tiger just wakened. Who calls? said Shere Khan, and a splendid peacock fluttered up out of the ravine, screeching. I... Mowgli, cattle thief, it's time to come to the castle rock. Down, hurry them down, Akela. Down, Rama, down. The herd paused for an instant on the edge of the slope, but Akela gave tongue in the full hunting yell, and they pitched over one after the other. Just as steamers shoot rapids, the sands and stones spurted up around them. Once started, there was no chance of stopping, and before they were fairly in the bed of the ravine, Rama winded Shere Khan and bellowed. Ha-ha, said Mowgli on his back, now thou knowest, and the torrent of black thorns, foaming muzzles and staring eyes whirled down the ravine just as boulders go down in flood time, the weaker buffaloes being shouldered out to the sides of the ravine where they tore through the creepers. They knew what business was before them, the terrible charge of the buffalo herd against which no tiger can hope to stand. Shere Khan heard the rumble of their hoofs, picked himself up, and lumbered down the ravine, looking from side to side for some way of escape. But the walls of the ravine were straight, and he had to hold on, heavy with his dinner and his drink, willing to do anything rather than fight. The herd splashed through the pool he'd just left behind, bellowing till the narrow cut rang. Mowgli heard an, un an answering bellow from the foot of the ravine, 
and saw Shere Khan turn, the tiger knew if the worst came to the worst, it was better to meet the bulls than the cows with their calves. And then Rama tripped, stumbled, and went on again over something soft, and with the bulls at his heels, crashed full into the other herd, while the weaker buffaloes were lifted clean off their feet by the shock of the meeting. That charge carried both herds out into the plain, goring and snapping and snorting. Mowgli watched his time and slipped off Rama's neck, laying about him right and left with his stick. Quick, Akela, break them up, scatter them, or they'll be fighting one another. Drive them away. Akela, hi, Rama, hi, hi, my children, softly now, softly. It is all over. Akela and Gray Brother ran to and fro, nipping at the buffalo's legs. And though the herd wheeled once to charge up the ravine again, Mowgli managed to turn Rama, and the others followed him to the wallows. Shere Khan needed no more trampling. He was dead, and the kites were coming for him already. Brothers, that was a dog's death, said Mowgli, feeling for a knife he always carried in a sheath round his neck now that he lived with men. But he would never have shown fight. His hide will look well on the council rock. We must get to work swiftly. A boy trained among men would never have dreamed of skinning a ten-foot tiger alone. But Mowgli knew better than anyone else how an animal's skin is fitted on and how it can be taken off. But it was hard work, and Mowgli slashed and tore and grunted for an hour while the wolves lolled out their tongues or came forward and tugged as he ordered them. Presently, a hand fell on his shoulder, and looking up, he saw Boldeo with the tower musket. The children had told the village about the buffalo stampede, and Boldeo went out angrily, only too anxious to correct Mowgli for not taking better care of the herd. The wolves dropped out of sight as soon as they saw the man coming. "'What is this folly?' said Boldeo angrily. "'To think thou canst skin a tiger! Where did the buffaloes kill him?' "'It is the lame tiger, too, and there's a hundred rupees on his head. Well, well, we will overlook thy letting the herd run off, and... Perhaps I will give thee one of the rupees of the reward when I've taken the skin to Kaniwara. He fumbled in his waistcoat for flint and steel and stooped down to sin Shere Khan's whiskers. Most native hunters always singe a tiger's whiskers to prevent his ghost from haunting them. Hmm, said Mowgli, half to himself, as he ripped back the skin of a forepaw. So thou wilt take the hide to Kaniwara for the reward and perhaps give me one rupee? Now it is in my mind that I need the skin for my own use. Ha! <laughs> Old man, take away that fire. What talk is this to the chief hunter of the village? 
Thy luck and stupidity of thy buffaloes have helped thee to kill. The tiger's just fed, or he would have gone twenty miles by this time. Thou canst not even skin him properly, little beggar brat. And forsooth I, Boldeo, must be told not to singe his whiskers? Mowgli, I will not give thee one anna of the reward, but only a very big beating. Leave the carcass. By the bull that brought me, said Mowgli, who was trying to get at the shoulder. Must I stay babbling to an old ape all noon? Here, Akela, this man plagues me. Buldeo, who was still stooping over Shere Khan's head, found himself sprawling on the grass with a gray wolf standing over him while Mowgli went on skinning as though he were alone in all of India. Yes, he said between his teeth. Thou art altogether right, Buldeo. Thou wilt never give me one anna of the reward. There is an old war between this lame tiger and myself, a very old war, and I have won. To do Baldero justice, if he'd been ten years younger, he would have taken his chance with Aquila had he met the wolf in the woods. But a wolf who obeys orders of this boy, who had private wars with man-eating tigers, was not a common animal. It was sorcery, magic of the worst kind, thought Buldeo, and he wondered whether the amulet around his neck would protect him. He lay as still as still, expecting every minute to see Mowgli turn himself into a tiger too. Maharaj, great king, he said at last in a husky whisper. Yes, said Mowgli, without turning his head, chuckling a little. I am an old man. I did not know that thou waste anything more than a herd's boy. May I rise up and go away, or will thy servant tear me to pieces? Go, and peace go with thee. Only another time do not meddle in my game. Let him go, Akela. Baldeo hobbled away to the village as fast as he could, looking back over his shoulder in case Mowgli should change into something terrible. When he got to the village, he told a tale of magic and enchantment and sorcery that made the priest look very grave. Mowgli went on his work, but it was nearly twilight before he and the wolves had drawn the great gay skin clear of the body. Now we must hide this and take the buffaloes home. And that's where we're going to end it for tonight's episode of The Jungle Book. Wow. So Shere Khan is no more. We'll find out where our adventure takes us next time from the jungle and the jungle book and Mowgli and the gang on our uh, on our next stream. Very cool.
All right, guys, thank you so much. And don't forget to patreon.com slash Sheldon if you want to help support the show. Thank you to all the folks who have liked and subscribed and shared the broadcast and our podcasts across all the platforms. Really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Until next time, my friends, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Have a good night. Thank you.